everybody, and welcome to No Chick Flick Moments. I am your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. This is our Supernatural Watchcast, your one-stop shop for all Supernatural meta. Are you ready? Yeah, here we are today, Season 2, Episode 2, Everybody Loves a Clown. Everybody Loves a Clown. A lie right off the bat, first of all. <laughs> I keep wondering, is this like a, it's got, is, is, typically the song titles are a quote or a lyric or a song title or something. Everybody Loves a Clown. Um, it's like a thing that people say, but I don't know. It sounds like a quote, right? It sounds like a quote or title. I could see there being some 70s song where they're talking about everybody loving a clown, but it's like Pagliacci and he doesn't love himself. Like, I could see (laughs) it's out there somewhere. Am I going to look it up? No. I don't need that in my search history. But I'm vibing with what you're putting down. I think it could be applicable here. I, I, it. I was only thinking about it because every time that I read the title, Everybody Loves a Clown, I think about Travis McElroy and his annual rendition of Here Comes the Clowns. And is that Travis or Justin? It's fucking Justin. <laughs> <laughs> same hat, same hat. Same hat. Okay, you're here to catch me when I fall, V. <laughs> you know. That's. That's it. Exactly. I'm like, that song exists. There's got to be more than one. So every time I look at the title of this episode, I have Justin fucking McElroy crooning in my head. Here comes the clowns. (laughs) I'm like, go away. I don't want you here. Go away. (laughs) You weren't invited to the show. (laughs) This is my podcast. Not yours. (laughs) Well. But hey, you know that's that's me. I'm bringing him into the space. I I I I am the problem. Yeah, I mean, and you are the solution. That's the upside of it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let's talk about <laughs> this episode two, mm-hmm. which was an episode written by John Sheevan. It was directed by Phil Sagrisha, and the original air date was October fifth. 2006. All right. So what does the synopsis have in store for us? Short, long, somewhere in between? Yeah, somewhere in between. The very descriptive, though, the synopsis for this episode reads, Sam and Dean listen to a message on John's cell phone from a woman, Ellen, and decide to track her down. They are shocked to discover uh, Ellen runs a roadhouse that also serves as a gathering place for hunters like themselves. Meanwhile, at a small town carnival, a clown is persuading children to let them into their homes... So he can murder their parents. I got caught. I feel like I wrote that wrong. But anyways, maybe not. Probably not. We got we got the idea. We There's got it. one we got pronoun it. flip up, but it gets across. He is using the kids to get inside and kill parents. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, there's a lot happening in this episode. Considering not a lot happens, a lot happens. See, you say you said that. You said that to me right before we started this episode. Oh, man, there's a lot that happens in this episode. And I'm like, looking at my two pages of notes. <laughs> okay, tell me, B. Tell me all the things that happened in this episode. Okay, I'm well, ready first for of all, 
First of all, we are showing up in Medford, Wisconsin at a carnival in daylight hours, but it has rides and creepy clowns. We see a family with their daughter, Nora, and she sees a creepy clown who vanishes before her parents can see it. Um, and it's time to go home. On the ride home, she sees it again, apparently hitchhiking. I don't fucking know. <laughs> and then at her house, she's in bed. She hears some rustling outside. So she goes downstairs, sees the clown at her back door. And she's like, yeah, I want to invite this into my house. So she unlocks it takes its hand and brings it inside. And I'm immediately like, I don't buy it. No, that clown, I know costuming was like, we're tr- it's friendly, but if you look closer, it's creepy. I'm like, no, flat out, it's creepy. No kid looks at that and is like, fuck yeah, it's following me home. Uh, I fuck know. yeah. Yes, I'm going to give him my hand and, oh, this is a friend. This is a friend here. Uh, I'm like, how many kids out there actually loved clowns when they were young? <laughs> Versus how many saw a clown and burst out into tears and had psychological death? Like, I'm raising my hand as I say this. I'm like, <laughs> no. Clowns equal scary bad. The one time Supernatural succeeds in being creepy as hell. Yeah. And, like, they didn't need to bring in a Supernatural element. They could have honestly been, like, killer... Carney, and yeah. it would be a cliche, but I would still be spookumed. I think I think that one of the reasons why it is so spookumed is the initial like lack of supernatural element, right? Yeah, this clown is just being a creepy motherfucker, and yeah. it, I, I, it's very cabin in the woods. I don't know. I just yeah, strangers. Yes. The way Kripke put it is, you're seeing clowns where clowns shouldn't be. That's just scary. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, correct. But like seeing clowns in their natural habitat too also doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Not here for it. I I liked it. I mean, I think that they succeeded in being scary and hyping yes. up attention. And it's like, I hate that I'm saying it on the clown episode of Supernatural, right? Like One of the clown episodes, Remy, okay? Okay, okay. Because we're establishing something for Sam's character and we're going to see it repeated down the line. I fucking love it, though, because at the end of this episode, I felt... Crossed my arms and I put out my lower lip and I'm like, Sam didn't even get to directly interact with the clown. They say that he's afraid of clowns, but unlike with Dean and uh the the demon Flights, yeah. episode where yeah Dean and airplanes, we don't get to see him cowering in a corner screaming his fucking head off. Yeah, they were doing little elements to show our show us his unease but it was too subtle for me i'm Mm -hmm. like sam jared whichever one i'm talking to you right now don't be so stoic like be a little bit freaked out i know if they could have played it for humor they could have played it for like scam sam actually being scared out of his mind uh but they they bring up and like you said establish for this character that he's just terrified of clowns just like we see that dean is genuinely hand shaking nervous about flights um beyond the flight even falling literally falling out of the sky he was you know doing all these things to self-soothing soothing things and he was showing his fear 
Um, Yeah, Yeah, like, if we take a step back on this episode, there's a lot, like I said, a lot going on, but I feel like not all of it is well tied together. Hmm. The Ellen, Joe, Ash storyline is very disconnected from the hunt, and even the hunt itself is trying to throw too many red herrings for a side B plot, you know? Yeah. Like, what you're saying, having Sam be over-the-top scared, or at least more frightened than we saw him, a great place they could have done that is at the funhouse, because you have to walk into this big, scary clown mouth, and then inside, it's, like, random artifacts and devils and stuff. I'm like, just make it creepy clowns. Just make it creepy clowns. Right, right. Have him walk through a funhouse of creepy clowns and see him just get increasingly, like, fuck this. Instead of being like a skeleton drops and he's scared of that. Yeah. I wanted I wanted Sam to have a Dean moment with uh Yeah. The flight episode. Yeah, some full body shudders going on. <laughs> but I mean, we'll get into it, but the first half where it is almost a mundane, insane person is the more effective part of this case and then when it becomes like an invisible thing we have to stab it's like oh this is not as interesting it it took a lot of the fear out of it yes yes the fear of it yeah yeah oh the previously on Mm -hmm. in this episode was so fucking good it was a banger Yes. It was a pop. It was a pop. <laughs> it, it was, was a, a bop. bop. <laughs> uh, hello, fellow kids. <laughs> Have you listened to these sweet jams? <laughs> it was so good. I watched it twice because I was like, fuck yes. Fuck yes. yes. Whoever edited this previously yes. on did a good job. So The editing's the best. I just want to give them a moment to be like, kudos. The previously yes. on focused mainly on all of the events from last episode, the episode one of season two, and the music was great. The editing mm-hmm. was great. It was, ooh, it was good. Yeah. The song was Time Has Come Today by Chamber Brothers. Yes. Yes. Uh. So the more you know. Shooting star. You don't have to tell me anymore because I get the actual I songs. I love I, it. My knee jerk was like, I need to look this up so that Remy. Oh wait, no, Remy does know. We get the same experience. <laughs> Still look it up because you know the the it's listeners sometimes need handy. To know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So scary clown business. The end. Um, we cut to another scene. It is with the hunter's pyre burning while Sam and Dean observe. And Sam is looking very tearful while Dean looks hollowed out with a single man tear. Hmm. Not even. No, he has one at the end. Oh, he does. Okay. Yes. Yes. But he is very vacant. Like, he's flat affect everything. Yes. Yeah. And Sam is asking if their dad said anything to Dean before he passed, and Dean lies and says no, nothing. Yep. So this is a little intrigue, because you can see Sam is very upset, and if John said something that Dean could offer in solace, he probably would. But he doesn't have that for Sam, so we're left to ponder what it is that could be so 
alarming that Dean wouldn't share it with his brother. Well, it makes us think on what John did actually say in his last moments with with, mm-hmm. with Dean. He shared that story about how Dean was always the strong one. Dean was uh, the... He's apologizing for Dean for not being the father that he wanted to be. He's saying goodbye, and yeah. he and and D- Dean knows that he's saying goodbye, and he he's also saying I put too much on you, too young, yeah. and yet here he is putting another thing on him. Yeah, and then he leans in close to whisper something that we don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it freaks Dean right out. Uh, yeah. And so all of this, you know, Dean knowing that John was giving a goodbye and whatever was said right before John left Dean for the last time, um, all, I don't know. I mean, we, we hear Sam say a couple of times this episode, never Dean. But we hear Sam say, yeah, you know, the demon just, he's speculating on what caused john's death the demon got to john before uh john got to it uh the cult's gone dad's gone you know the demon just won and don't you want to get revenge but sam is saying these things and he does not know what happened to his father and dean also doesn't know what happened to his father but he knows whatever it was he knows that john knew he was walking into it yeah. And he can't even, yeah. he doesn't even tell Sam that much. Yeah, that he had hinky vibes at the end there. Mm-hmm. But as we see this episode, Dean is really keeping the cards close to his chest. He's keeping his mouth shut, not really expressing how he feels. Yeah. Yeah, one other thing, the hunter's funeral pyre right here. They're giving John a, a, a hunter's funeral this is the first time that we've seen that they don't call it a hunter's they don't call it a hunter's funeral they are just you know burning john by themselves there's no ceremony that's happening here they're just burning john on this pyre that they built and i just i don't know i thought that was interesting i thought that they could have maybe should have given that more um given it a little bit more ceremony because you know by season 10 we know what a hunter's funeral is, but yeah. right here we just you know we we don't have that context, and I don't know if it's because they didn't really they weren't really giving it weight, they weren't giving it context because it it hasn't been established yet, um, yeah. or if they just kind of missed the mark a little bit that this was, um, like they're they're they they're not just dumping the body, you know. There. I mean, I to that effect, I think that they are giving it a degree of ceremony. It's just that it's very closed and it's very private because we get the impression, again, this episode, mm-hmm. that John was an isolated person, that he pissed a lot of people off. And so if, if he's dead, you know, the brothers are really the only ones there to say goodbye to him. So they're doing it on their own, kind of no pomp, no circumstance, just in a blue collar fashion, yeah. saying goodbye to their dad. Yeah, fair. Um, After this scene, we get a one week later message. Um, We see Sam and Dean at Singer Salvage Yard. Dean is under the Impala... Dean is under the Impala slowly repairing it. 
Um, and Sam comes by, asks if he needs any help, but Dean passes and just tells Sam to stop hounding him. Dean is really okay. Really. With my favorite Three Dog Night song playing on the radio. Shambhala? Yes. Fucking love that song. Nice. Yes, I did stop my watch of the episode to go YouTube that song. and <laughs> <laughs> Priorities, priorities. Yes, priorities, priorities. Uh, yeah, but uh, like you said, Dean, Sam, we get the impression that Sam has been reaching out to Dean, poking at Dean, if you want to be harsh about it um trying to trying to get dean to react or you know something to what happened to their dad but dean is not having it he says hey like stop asking me if i'm okay i'm okay yeah but sam points out that dean hasn't even brought up dad once in this whole time and Dean snarks back, you know, they can cry and hug and even slow dance if that's what he really wants. But um, Sam's angry that Dean takes this tone with him and counters that their dad's dead, the cult is gone, and the demon is a likely culprit. But Dean doesn't seem moved by any of it. So isn't he angry? Like, doesn't he have more to offer than sarcasm? Y- yeah. We see Dean do this a couple of times in this episode when Sam or when Dean perceives Sam as pushing where he is unwelcome, pushing Dean for, uh, no, how, come on, Dean, you have to deal with this. How do you really feel about this? Dean pushes back and, Mm -hmm. you know, throws up a guard with sarcasm or with, you know, trying to hit where it hurts, as we see later in the episode. Uh, and later in the episode, he does land a hit, but right now, mm-hmm. Sam squares his shoulders and says, No, listen, we've got to deal with this. The cult's gone. The demon killed dad. Don't you want revenge? And, oh, I just mm-hmm. had to throw my head back and laugh at that one. Right, B? Oh my god. You can see even Dean retaliating to that question about revenge because he immediately, again, he's snarky. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. Do you got any leads? Have you deciphered dad's research? Because I haven't managed shit. And face it, we got nothing right now. So I'm going to just do what I can. And that is working on the car. Dean is, you know, he's checked out. He's like, I see dead ends all around us. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, and I mean, I just said that Dean was being pokey. He was pushing back and even cruel in some places. Not here, but later. But anyways, Mm -hmm. here is an opportunity to be cruel because the words that I see Dean biting back here are revenge. You want to talk about revenge? This is like revenge. Your grand idea of revenge is what got john killed in the first place yes yes like we talked about in episode 21 last season the way that both john and sam were willing to lay down their lives just to get this over and done with you know to kill that demon and get the revenge once and for all and dean's the one holding on their leash is saying please guys don't do that don't do that don't throw yourself off the roof while holding a knife but 
it didn't do anything. Like, ultimately, they're in a situation where their dad's dead, and what Dean is hearing is same verse being repeated again. Of, yeah. Let's get back on the road and go after revenge. Yeah. And for... Exactly. For all of the events that led up to this moment, Dean has been the one that has tried to plant his feet and say, no, the cost is too great. I don't want to do this. It's not worth it. And his worst fears have now been realized. Yeah. And the price has been paid. Sam is still pushing. Mm Mm-hmm. But instead of saying that, he deflects with, well, what do you want to do anyways? It's not like we can't, even if we wanted to, it's not like we could pursue the demon. We have nothing. So why don't we just let it go? Yeah. But Sam says that he has cracked the password on one of John's cell phone voicemails. And there's a message that he saved from four months ago. This woman named Ellen. And Sam has pulled an address off of the number and thought that they could go check it out because it's intriguing that John would have this offer of help from a woman that they've never heard before. And it's it's strange that he would keep that message all this time. Yeah. Yeah. So since the Impala is out for the count, they are in a squealing van borrowed from Bobby <laughs> and pull up to a building out in the middle of nowhere with a sign that says Harvell's Roadhouse and it is seemingly empty so they pick the lock and head inside yeah the parking lot's empty no one is answering their calls they you know knock on the windows knock on the doors hello hello nothing but mm-hmm. when all us out when all else fails you got your lock picks oh and this station wagon slash van thing yes that uh apparently was the only car that bobby had running in the yard which i mean tip my hat to bobby he just probably thought it was fucking funny yeah he's like no i swear to god all (laughs) of the other vehicles don't work we suddenly have a shortage of ignition cables i don't know where they all went sorry the keys are all gone i don't know what to tell you dean salty he's like i feel like a soccer mom yeah yeah he is not enjoying the pimped out ride that bobby has <laughs> offered him and when when they pull up this is my this is my backflip when they pull up they're listening to some like captain and Tennille. Oh, is that what it is i was gonna yeah. say 80s mom music but <laughs> to go i think with it's the still 70s vibe i love it though Sounds like something. Sounds like something that my aunt would have in um, her her CD case that she keeps still in her glove box. Oh my god! Which she's she's a good company. <laughs> I have like one of those six disc change whatever machines that came in my vehicle, and you have to plug the discs under the passenger seat. It's so <laughs> wild. <laughs> woman after my own heart yeah well that made me think that the radio on the uh the van is broken and there's not a cassette tape player so all he's got is the cds that he found stuffed into the uh the I, upholstery pocket on the back i of think the you're chairs. being generous saying that it's got a cd player <laughs> 
Fine. Well, if it was a cassette player, then he would have brought his own. No, no, tune. no. There's a cassette player, but the cassette is jammed inside of it, and it only plays Captain and Tennille. Okay, so the whole ride to Indiana or wherever they are. Nebraska. No, oh, still in Nebraska. Okay, okay, okay. Not oh. still in. They left Sioux Falls. That's in North Dakota. No, South Dakota. I knew that. It's in a Dakota. I I totally knew I that. Think it's South Dakota. It's it's a South Dakota. Thank you. I'm really trying. My <laughs> knee jerk is always North Dakota because it's closer to me. Anyways, Anyways, they've broken into the roadhouse. They see a barfly passed out on the pool table. They leave him alone. Um, Sam goes to check out the kitchen while Dean is greeted by a rifle muzzle butted up against his back. Yep. We see a petite blonde woman holding the rifle. Um, Dean is still facing away from the woman, but he tries to be casual. He makes a joke, but he offers some friendly advice to the woman. You know, when you've got a rifle on someone, you don't want to put it right up against their back because then, and he spins, he takes the rifle from the woman and gets promptly punched in the nose. He doesn't keep that rifle for long. Yeah, he disarms her so briefly, and he's punched in the nose, like you said, his eyes are watering, he's holding his nose, calling to his brother, though he can't see the fact that Sam has a gun trained on him as well, this time from the woman's mother, who we are going to find out in short order is Ellen. Yeah, we have Ellen and Joe. Yes, and... It is Ellen overhearing Dean calling for Sam that she places the names and goes, wait a second, are you John Winchester's boys? Yeah. And I love Dean in this moment, too. He played it so funny. Like, I can't... Oh, God. I can't even see. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. It was pretty cute. It was just cute. This whole scene was cute. And I like how it carries into the next scene, too, where Ellen is bringing a cold press for Dean to tend to his nose with. And um, she's explaining that her voicemail had to do with the demon that they're hunting. Um, Hunters pass through their corner of Nebraska all the time, John included. And it was, they were like family once. And Dean's curious why that's not the case anymore. Like, John never mentioned you. And she said, well, you better ask him why. But... It's in this conversation that she realizes John wouldn't have sent them to her or allowed them to come see her. And um, she puts two and two together and realizes with Dean's confirmation that John is dead. Yeah, John wouldn't have sent the boys here, not for anything. So John didn't send them. And is he okay? No, he's not. Yeah. And both Sam and Dean look really wounded by this being brought up. Um, And Sam's the one to explain that the demon got John before John could get it. And Ellen apologizes for stumbling onto the subject, but Dean assures her they're all right. Really. And he does it in this let it drop tone. Yeah, yeah. Ellen's like, oh, no, really, I'm really sorry. Uh, And... Dean all but cuts her off to be like, nope, nope, 
not talking. Yeah. No, yeah. it's okay. No, no I don't good. know you. No, we're good. Don't worry about it. Not your business. You know, he's already kind of like, what was John doing telling you about any of this? Um, so he's closed off to this outsider. Well, hell, he's closed off to his brother and presumably yeah. Bobby too. You know, he's, yeah. if one more person, I swear to God. Yeah. We're going to see him blow up about that. Yeah, I love Ellen. Oh my god. <laughs> She's got this great energy that she brings to the show. She she really does. Just this no nonsense. Uh, yeah, I loved her as she was escorting uh, Sam out of the kitchen. She's got a gun on him and she is that no nonsense suspicious hard ass all the way through and then wait john's boys and then her face just lights up oh well why didn't you say so hey hey, hey welcome <laughs> <laughs> nice to finally meet you oh i just love her mm-hmm. um sam does change the subject off of john and asks how ellen and joe are supposed to be able to help them and um they say it's not them who can help but ash and they call to the mulleted barfly genius that is passed out on the pool table yes genius this guy's a leonard skinner groupie what are you talking about oh yeah dean is not impressed off the bat he sees that mullet and he's envious i feel like he's just like (laughs) there's a life story braided into this hair he can't take his eyes off it he can't look away Magic mullet, crystal mullet. <laughs> it's funny. This interaction between Dean and Ash reminds me of later on in this season, the interactions between Dean and, um, oh no. I see. I act like I talk on, like I know what I'm talking about. Who is the, 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 the guy with the Andy warrior uh amazon woman van yeah andy gallagher no not andy no no andy is in like season 12 um you're thinking of the one that has the one of the special children and he has a yeah. he has a twin and is it andy give me a second i'm gonna am i i'm, I'm gonna crow if it is andy gallagher. i think it is andy gallagher and i'm thinking of adam no, not Adam. Oh my Adam. god, what's his name? What's the what's the golem Jewish guy? I know, I know who you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, okay, Andy Gallagher. Aaron. It's Aaron. Aaron. Yes. A Aaron. Anyways, Andy Gallagher. More more relevant to Andy Gallagher this season, <laughs> later this season. He is just that Lucy Goosey's stoner boy mm-hmm. attitude and um and I don't know there's just a way that Dean looks at these guys that are a little Lucy Goosey you know he's like I don't know if it's envy or I don't know if it's just like novelty I've, like I've I never, think, okay. I've never been able to do that before I think yeah, like that right there. That's the that's the button on it is that they're atypical examples of masculinity, and so he's mm. fascinated by them because 
he... I mean, we could write an essay, like, yeah. right here, right now. We could make this the rest of the episode, but <laughs> yeah. the way that Dean has this structured idea of masculinity based off of the paradigm that his father set in him. And so any man that is out there and is, like, competent in their own fashion but doesn't follow that straight and narrow, they're, like, a, this curious little bug that Dean yeah. is, like, not sure whether to just dismiss or, like, spend all of his time, like, staring at Right, because John would dismiss them out of hand, but there's, Dean, like you said, has to study them like a bug. He has to watch and unravel this Gregorian knot. Yeah, what do you mean that you don't have the specter of toxic masculinity looming over your head? (laughs) What do you mean you just behave how you want? Like, 404 doesn't confuse. Fascinating, just fascinating. Fascinating. Ash pulls out a bar stool. They push over John's research and he flips through it saying that there's no way that a person could track a demon with this. And Sam's like, well, our dad could do it. But Ash is immediately like, these are non-parametric statistical overviews, cross-spectrum correlations. (laughs) Like he's getting into a language that even Sam, I think, he was looking at Ash dismissively and then all of a sudden was taken aback. Yeah, yeah. Now, I have a statistics master's degree. I was like, Remy, eyes emoji. (laughs) And it kind of makes sense, but it's not, it doesn't, there's there's a couple of buzzwords thrown in there, but the core concepts are are sound. Yeah, he is describing the situation in a fairly accurate manner. Right. Well, what John has done is with the data that he has gathered over the last 22 years, he has actually developed a model that will theoretically be able to track the demon and, um, and actually predict the omens that we talked briefly about uh last time that we were talking about yeah 21 i think again right right john was saying that he he figured out that there were these omens that would um, proceed proceed exactly the demon showing up in a given area and we're now taking it one step forward where not only can not only do you kind of know where to go if the omens start crop- cropping up, but John developed a way to even predict when and where the uh, omens would start cropping up uh, ahead of time or as soon as the signs started to be there. I'm going to be less generous than you and be like, he was tracking the omens, but it was in like an after the fact manner. Because again, episode 21, the way he was describing it is that he wasn't able to predict where the demon would be. It would always, like he'd always show up too late. And I feel like Ash is taking the information that John has collated and then building a structure off of it that he can use to predict. Mm-hmm. That's me. I'm like, no points for John. Take the point away and put it <laughs> to Ash. No, I mean, Ash Ash is, is saying that John was actively tracking the demon. And yes. I'm actually being, if I want to... Pre- 
push up my glasses here. If we're talking about cross-spectrum uh, cross uh, analyses with time series statistics, then that means that he could take the time series data of past events and create a model that would theoretically, or if the model is accurate in any way, predict the time series of future events. Is John the one doing that, though, or is Ash the one? <laughs> John has, like, five sheets of paper uh, that... Loosely gummed together with the sticky remnants of donuts <laughs> that have sat on them. <laughs> that Ash is f- f- uh, uh, shuffling through in this moment. So I'm like, okay, Ash with her laptop uh, and an external hard drive and I would assume some actual, like, processing power. Power. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what John. What does John have? A a a, a police scanner. Uh. Okay. In a in a, a car phone. I don't know. Probably Remy, not like... doing any advanced analyses here. Remy, Remy. By our powers combined. Okay, we can reverse engineer what Ash did because I'm looking at his laptop. I'm like, no self-respecting engineer. <laughs> like, no software developer would be willing to do this to their system because it's got such an open interface towards dust and electronic <laughs> sparks. You're looking to get your hard drive like fucking blipped. So I feel like by our powers combined, we would be able to figure out what the fuck Ash did. <laughs> I think I think that he uh, I yeah whatever he was doing I I I think I think that he has like some external processors hooked into mm-hmm. the the motherboard of his uh $500 radio shack like, la- laptop I'm like he's VPNing into probably the server that he has out in the back of Ellen's place and then that oh, server's true. He's got an array that is doing all the process. We could do a whole episode just... So, okay, bottom line is you're right. With these pieces of paper that he's looking at, I don't know what John was doing, but um I I could I could say that it's at least data to build upon. And yes. this is what Ash needs his 51 hours for. He needs to actually develop the model that would predict the coming of the demon in exactly future. he can use this info to track it and he gives this fun little comment like you ever been struck by lightning it ain't fun like we're just getting so much flavor from ash as he's talking here yes yes um dean compliments his mullet as ash heads to the back room to get to work and dean also admires joe's backside as she crosses the bar <laughs> So and I'm, follows it over. <laughs> Remy, this bit right here, I couldn't help but think of that one Tumblr post that's like, Dean is going to go tr- question his trauma, and then Sam's like, I'll stay here and talk to the MILF. Because <laughs> Sam <laughs> immediately strikes up a conversation with Ellen about the folder that she is keeping beside the police scanner. Uh And we're going to find out that it is a case that she was going to give to a friend, um, but they can have it instead. Um, And yeah, meanwhile, Joe and Dean go sit at a table together and share their trauma. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dad. Dead dad, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god. Yes. Joe and Dean sitting at the table. Ooh, dead dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sucks. Me too. Yeah. Dead dad. Dean hears, oh, your father's dead. I'm going to try seducing you. But, like, his heart and his dick is just not (laughs) in it. So he doesn't even finish the thought before he is confessing, you know, wrong place, wrong time. And Joe's like, you know, most hunters think that they can get into her pants with a pizza, a six-pack, and side one of Zeppelin four, And, like, this is all... Like, programmatically, the buttons you would push in Dean's brain to make him horny. (laughs) But he is just weakly being like, yeah, those guys are scumbags, huh? (laughs) Well, no, I loved it because it was, um, I loved Joe here because she is straight up trolling Dean. She is Mm -hmm. looking at him and she is pegging him for exactly what he woulda, coulda done if it wasn't wrong place wrong time and this is a move that dean she she knows he's exactly the kind of guy that would pull that move and dean knows that he's the kind of guy who has pulled that move and joe is just trolling him like but not you huh huh yeah Yeah, you're better than that right It's like they're arm wrestling and Dean has already decided that he's going to let Joe win and then she's intentionally like going limp and like, oh, I'm, I'm so weak. And he's like <laughs> testing his ability to be like resolved in his decision to not try and get in her pants. <laughs> it's It's got a little weird energy. Like I feel like what we're supposed to take from it is like Dean and Joe, like Joe's his equal, Joe's his match. But, um... I don't know if that's really what I'm getting from it because I'm really feeling the whole Dean is too depressed to dick down right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're trying to, yeah, do the, do, I think that they're trying to sell compatibility between the two of them. Yes. But here, three episodes from now, three years from now, there is not chemistry between these people. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to buy it. Which is shocking because- I mean, the common joke is that Jensen can have chemistry with a lamp, like... (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) Quite literally. Like, the joke preceded the chemistry with the lamp, and you're like, oh shit, it's true. So it is is quite telling that they have more of a brother-sisterly vibe right off the bat, and yet... Yeah, I maybe that's just me, and I'm like that. That bit did not work. Like I did not believe Dean was trying to think with his pants, like yeah, with his pants down around his ankles. But yeah, like I feel like they're trying to set up Joe as a potential love interest for Dean in this episode, but it, I'm I'm just not buying it. Oh, I mean, like you could you can say. I've already formed my own opinion, so maybe I'm biased or whatever, but I don't know whether, I don't know if it was intentional or if it was an acting choice or if we're just biased, but I'm with you where, I mean, you might as well have put Jensen Ackles in a wig and told him to play Joe. It's They're the yeah. same fucking person. Yeah. That's where the sibling dynamic comes from. Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, they're literally wearing the same hat. Not just in this episode, but through, like, 
you know, we're going to learn, we're going to see Joe again. We're going to learn more about her. She's going to become her own character where unfortunately just in this episode, she's just kind of like, Ooh, pretty boy. But yeah. And the boy's like, I can see her lower back and I don't see a trance stamp. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, come on, little buddy. Where you at? Oh, no, like, not today. Okay. It, it sure is the female characterization <laughs> in the early seasons of the show where it's like, this is the mom figure and this is the fuckable one. And it's like, <laughs> but you gave her dead dad trauma like that's catnip for dean (laughs) but not in a sexy way (laughs) not in a sexy way exactly oh man and then i mean even see they should have leaned into the milf vibe because even sam later in the episode he's like he's thinking about it right you know he's fucking thinking about it he's like do do you think that john and ellen ever had a thing like dare i tread where no man has tried before (laughs) Or where Dare one... I tread where my father has tread before? Where one man may have tread before. <laughs> let me see what let me see what Dean thinks about it. I mean, and then Ellen's went, I got a spare bed out in the back if you guys want to stay. Yes. Again, uh, I I love Sam being MILF catnip throughout the season. Like it starts in season two. We see it all the way through to season 15. <laughs> cowards. Cowards. They should have leaned into it. Let her f- <laughs> let her have her boy toy. Let's- anyways. Anyways. We're getting off track here. But if we're trying to. But yes. I'm with you. If we're trying to yeah. sell um, Joe as a romantic interest. One. I don't know you well enough to care. Two. He- he's literally dead dad trauma. Yeah, no. like they're they're clones, they're doppelgangers. Not happening. No. Um, Sam calls Dean over about Ellen's case and to let him know that he accepted it on Dean's behalf. <laughs> hey, I like this though. I like that we are doing with Ellen and Joe, uh, or Ellen in the Roadhouse, what we this little this little seed that we're planting here where ellen is a information hub not just yes. a place for hunters to rest their feet but she is like collecting information on cases and she's gathering she's putting together files and and handing off i we're, we're setting up or we are at least insinuating that there's an actual network and um, I wish that they had explored it more. Like I wanted her to yes. be more of, or maybe, maybe I'm just wishing for too much too early, but this here, it makes me think of Bobby, you know, with his yeah. 18 cell phones and yeah. Oh, I'm like, Remy, this is your catnip right here. Like, it really is. <laughs> you know, I love it. You know, I love She has it. one police scanner and one folder and you're immediately like fireworks going off behind <laughs> your eyes. All the synapses in your brain are just firing. You're like, yes. Yes. And then, and then they're like, we just came up with two female characters because the network told us we should have some. No, but they're like, Ellen says she's all she's all casual she's like i just run a saloon but you know yeah there's a hunter or two that passes through every now and then yeah, like i happen to overhear things i love give more more i know more took my leggy out so far <laughs> more i want more <laughs> you know me too well be 
<laughs> I, I do. Again, I'm like, if I set up a Remy bingo card, that would be like the free spot. You know, like any mention of a Hunter Hub. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You got me. Moving on. So they've accepted this case. And so it's nighttime. They're driving in that wood paneled van. And Dean is grossing that they've accepted a case, let alone a killer clown case. (laughs) And, well, Dean is... Yeah, I'm like, Dean, where do you think you're coming from here? We just had a whole season one where Sam was head down running, gotta go go to the next job, the next job, the next job. That is what Sam has been doing, right? Burying himself in the work. And so it, I, I wrinkle my nose a little bit, just snobbed a little bit at Dean saying here like since when do you want to work a case and I'm like since when do you not know how your brother processes trauma hey I'm going to give you a counter offer to that because it was Sam who was always like we gotta go find dad I want to get in on whatever he's doing and then Dean's the one that's like no we should help people along the way and now in this episode, Sam's the one that's like, we should help people along the way. And that's where Dean's kind of like, who the fuck are you? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. That is how Sam processes trauma. And we're going to see this episode in particular that he's trying to honor his father's legacy by doing these type of things. Yeah. But I think it sticks out to Dean because Dean is so used to Sam being very one track mind about things. And, you know, what did the demon do to dad? Where is the cold or like the tracks that he expects Sam to be sitting on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is what he says. He's like, a, a, a case. I thought that you were all about the demon now. Yeah. But no, this, this is the information that Ellen gave us. You know, there's two parents. They've been ripped to pieces. Their daughter was unharmed. They... And, attended a carnival that night, the Cooper Carnival, and the cops have no leads. The workers for the carnival were all accounted for, and it was said that the clown vanished into thin air. And there is uh, a history of something like this happening before. 1981, three different killings, three different towns, but mm-hmm. all carnival-related yeah, Same thing, it was clown. a different, different circus at the time, but it is leading to be the same mo. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just a creepy clown. Clowns are people, and people can be killers too. Do you think that it's something supernatural just because you you don't like clowns, Sammy? You know why yeah. why why are you chasing down a clown anyways, Sammy? Yeah, Dean just starts teasing Sam about the fact that this case involves clowns because he remembers little Sammy's big fears. But Sam (laughs) retaliates by reminding Dean, hey, remember how you were afraid of airplanes? Remember that? Planes crash, Sam. Yeah, and apparently clowns kill. (laughs) One of those great lines. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that Dean is uh, poking fun at Sam with something that uh, is actual 
is an actual history or a memory between yeah. them where he's like so sam do you still cry when ronald mcdonald comes on the tv and i can just imagine little baby sam in a motel room and he would just he would just cry when ronald mcdonald Aww. commercials came on yeah and like it's nice seeing dean with some spark of life in him too like that he's engaging with his brother in a brotherly manner yeah. like he's not just closed off again so the fact that it's like this shared memory and like little brother, older brother, yeah. sibling dynamics that is resuscitating Dean in this way is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's like the little bit of life that we've seen in him yes. so far in this episode. Yeah. But Dean does ask why Sam took this case that's unrelated to the yellow eyed demons. Like we said. And Sam replies that it's what dad would have wanted. And mm. Dean doesn't say anything to that, but he clearly doesn't buy it. Yeah. No more brotherly teasing. What dad would have wanted? Oh, okay. From your mouth to whose ear? <laughs> like, you could see the eyebrows shooting up on Dean. Like, he's just like, huh, okay. That's a sentence that came out of Sam's mouth. Mm-hmm. So on that note, um, we cut back to the carnival. We see this kid and his dad walking through a fun house. The kid, Evan, is completely disinterested while his dad is leading him around. He's busy paying attention to a DS in his hands instead. Mm-hmm. His Game Boy. Mm -hmm. And his dad is trying to say, ooh, isn't this spooky? Look, Evan, look at this, look at that. But, yeah. um, This kid is detached from his surroundings. Yeah, the dad gets distracted by all of the funhouse, scarehouse paraphernalia. And Evan is looking into one of the mirrors? Or the glass of a display case, and he sees the reflection of the same clown that we saw from the opening scene Mm -hmm. of the episode. And when he turns around, though, there's no one there, there's no clown there. So that does give him a spookums, and I'm like, good boy, good boy. (laughs) Finally, someone with a healthy distrust of the scary fucking clown. I mean, correct, correct. Like, but the he, when he mentions the clown that he saw to his dad, his dad's like, no, clowns are good. They're fine. They're your friends. And I'm like, wrong th- lesson to be teaching children. Wrong. Be like, correct. Be scared of clowns. <laughs> and that night we see Evan wake his dad back at home. And he's like, yeah, the clown is my friend. You're right. And the dad sees the clown holding his son's hand. Um, But his scream is cut off before we can truly hear it. Again, that like real horror. They brought some real horror into the into this episode. And I think it was just because it was actually lacking the supernatural element at first. Not that we didn't know it was coming, but I'm like, I'd watch this movie. This is scary as shit. Like, a stranger in your house dressed as a clown, and you're waking up from bed to find them at your bedside. Like, that... No thanks. No thank you. That gives me the creeps. Yes. So, it's back to daytime, and we see Sam and Dean arrive at the carnival. 
Um, again, that van belt is squealing. Mm-hmm. We immediately see some clowns, and Sam has a stare down with a little person that is dressed as a clown. Oh my god, is she? she's not even dressed as a clown. She has no clown makeup on. She's just a little person. And I'm, I'm like- I'm really trying to guess that it was supposed to be clown, or was she just like flamboyantly dressed? I, I'm trying to be generous to the show, even oh though my all god. my instincts say don't fucking do it. I know, I know. I'm like, Sam scared of little people, I guess? Like, they could have just made her a clown, but instead, she's wearing something of a frilly collar, and she just looks like kind of a a carny type person. But yeah, she's like a just little one person. of the staff at this place. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Dean is very suspicious of cl- uh, the roadies, I don't know. I don't know. This whole bit in here, again, I'm like, this is where the episode gets weak again for me. Uh-huh. For as strong as the episode can be, it's so porous. It's so moldering and soft in these bits. Because Dean returns in time to tease Sam about this stare down and then be like, oh yeah, two more murders happened in the night. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, they briefly say that if they're going to find a cursed object, then they'll need to blend in while they're scanning the area for EMF. And Dean eyes a help wanted sign as their answer. So they head inside the tent with the sign and Dean asks a knife thrower whether he's seen Mr. Cooper around, which is an unfortunate choice of words considering the man is blind. Yeah, and so the blind knife thrower is leaning into Dean. Oh, did I have I seen Mr. Cooper? Oh, I don't know. Have I seen Mr. Cooper? Would I give my eye teeth to see Mr. Cooper? It's like, oh my gosh. And then another little person, Carney, comes up. Is there a problem here? No, 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 sorry. It's just a little misunderstanding. A little, huh? What'd you yeah. say to what'd you say to me? And Dean's like asking Sam for his help and Sam's like, nah, I'm good right here. <laughs> I just like I wish that I wish that we should would have seen Dean and Sam walk away and then seen the two carnies share a look like, oh my god, these Yes. We got him. Yeah, we got him. So gullible. Like yeah. like like so this is the episode where Dean gets trolled to shit. <laughs> but Yeah. But um, uh, we we didn't. Le- I feel like we could have leaned into the humor of the situation a little bit more. Yeah, I again, there's something about it that's just not working, and I'm not sure I can really put my finger on it. But it feels just like you see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I no. don't know. I'm not getting into it. It's weak. It's like you said. It's just weak. Yeah, feels a little disjointed. Yes. And again, like whiplash between Dean in this moment versus Dean at the end of the episode. And you're like, this is the same episode. Like, there's a reason when you and I were talking about this and be like, this is the episode where Ellen and Joe and Ash are introduced? Yeah. Yeah. Wild choices. Um, Dean loudly interrupts this heckling to ask again for Mr. Cooper. And so we cut to Cooper's office. And the guy is lamenting about local trouble with the cops and asks about their experience in the carnival life. They try to fudge it a little bit. Oh, yeah, we've been in the circuit for a while now. Um, what did, what did we do? Uh, 
here and here and there, bits and things, and Cooper just calls them on their bullshit. Right. You haven't, you've never worked a show in your life. What are you really doing here? Because this is a carnival. This is, and has always been, a refuge for the outcast, for the mismatched, uh, for the people in the world that wouldn't be accepted anywhere else he talks about freak shows as yeah an he points to this photo of his dad who ran the show back in the day mm-hmm. before they were frowned upon freak yeah. shows and he's also saying sam and dean ought to you know follow the script go to school have two and a half kids find a girl like all that kind of stuff just go and be normal Um, But Sam leans in and says that he doesn't want to go back to that kind of life. They want to do this. Yeah. What what does he say? He says, live regular. Yeah. And I liked that where Sam leans in and says, I don't, I don't want regular. We want this. Yeah. And I think there's supposed to be a little comedic beat with this scene as well, because we see one of the chairs is a folding chair and the other one is like a clown chair. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And we're going to sit Sam in the clown chair. But again, like we said at the top of our um, podcast episode, there's not really enough leaning into the fact that adult Sam is supposed to be just as scared as clowns as he was when he was a kid. Yeah, Dean sells the scene more than Sam does. There's the folding chair and then the clown chair. And uh, we see... I think both Dean and Sam lunge for the clown chair, but, um, I'm sorry, lunge for the folding chair, uh, which Dean gets to first and he gets the folding chair and then Sam gets the clown chair, but Dean's smug brotherliness, haha, I won, uh, in that moment overshadows any, I guess, like discomfort that Sam is showing and having to actually have to sit in the clown chair. Yeah. The energy of having, again, the brotherly dynamic of race you to the chair overshadows an individual reaction from Sam. Exactly. It was still cute. I thought it was cute that they, yeah. Again, the brotherly ribbing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When they're outside Cooper's office, Dean asks if Sam really meant it, that he doesn't want to go back to school, that he doesn't want a regular life. And Sam admits that he doesn't know what he'll do after anymore. Like, if after even exists at this point. Yeah, Dean says, I always thought that after the demon, you'd go back to, you know, go back to school and drop this life and sam says i don't know if that's what i want anymore i don't know if i want to go back to school or i don't know if i want to keep in the life he says i just feel like it's what dad would have wanted i know that dad would have wanted me to keep on with the job so Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe that's what i want to do now Mm -hmm. and that just baffles dean because since when did sam care like since when do you care what dad says? Since did, when do you care about living a hunter's life? And Sam answers quite succinctly, since dad died. Yeah. Okay? Got a problem? And Dean just clams up again and he's like, no, even though you can sense it's there. Oh, his little g- 
a good acting moment from Jared Jensen here where mm-hmm. um, Dean wants to keep pressing. He, I don't know, when, when Sam says, you got a problem, Dean's like, his face is screaming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've got, yeah. I've, yeah, I hate this. This is, I'm not, I'm not, this is not good right now. But then it's just like this light comes over him. He shuts down. He straight, straight, straightens his shoulder. He's like, no. Yeah. No, no problem. It, it's like he wants Sam to come to that realization himself that Sam is fooling himself mm-hmm. because Dean can see it so clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he wants Sam to realize it and it's not happening, he's stuck in that quandary, you know, do I call him on it? No, it's not worth it because until Sam sees it, he's going to stubbornly think that he's right. Well, and I think it's also that Dean is still going to hold up that, no, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong here. That, because if they're playing like ping pong right now, as soon as he knocks that ball into Sam's court, Sam is going to knock it right back at Dean. And if Dean opens that door, he has to be ready for the breeze to blow back his way too. Yes. Yeah. And that's not happening yet. He's holding on as long as he can. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, if I stay quiet and still, the tiger won't see me. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to the next scene, which is Sam picking up trash and listening to the EMF reader through one of his earbuds. And we see him enter the funhouse past the illusory mirrors. And he's scanning the embalming jars and what have you, looking for cursed objects, but there is nothing. Yep, nothing is pinging on the radar, but he does get a little jump scare when a fake skeleton uh, drops from the ceiling. It startles him, but it does give him an idea. Yes, so he calls Dean on his cell and we cut to Dean answering it. And Sam is wondering if the spirit is maybe attached to its remains. And the remains are with the carnival. Yeah, it's maybe it's not a cursed object at all. Maybe this is a matter of a spirit that is attached to something, uh, to some belonging of theirs or their remains at the carnival. And Dean is saying, you know... Well, they the remains should give off EMF either way. We're basically still looking for the same thing, but uh, I don't know. We'll keep it in mind. But as yeah. he gets off the phone, he is grabbed by, we see, the blind knife thrower that they briefly conversed with earlier. Yeah. His name's Barry or it's Papijan or something. I kept on calling him Papijan. Papijan. <laughs> His name is P-A-P-A-Z-I-A-N. Huh. And I know I know it's not Papa John, but that's what I kept saying. <laughs> Papa John. Maybe that's funny. Maybe we should have Googled it. I bet it's like a... It, one, one thing that I liked about the, the monster here is how hidden in plain sight he was. Yes. So I would like the idea of them um, giving him a name that's just a a wink wink nudge nudge on the nut on the nose uh hint to yeah what he actually is 
That's true. Yeah, I didn't look it up, but I got enough of a giggle just saying Papa John over and over <laughs> in my head. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him Papa John from now. So okay, okay. With the so accent. Papa John is being really nosy about Dean's phone call. He's like, "Why were you talking about skeletons? What's EMF?" And then also being like, "You know, it's weird that you're here. We Carney folk can take care of our own problems." And so Dean leans in and he confines, you know. Me, me and my brother, we're, we're writing a book about <laughs> ghosts. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? Oh my God. It was kind of a fun little spin where you're like, maybe Dean's going to confess, but we're still in the early seasons. They're still like, we try and not do that. Right. So they're writing a book. The, the, the knife thrower is, is saying that, you know, they're a tight-knit group. They don't like secrets. He's suspicious of what they're even doing here. So um, Dean throws him a bone, right? Yeah. Gives him something to get off the actual trail that they're following. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Sam and Dean regroup after this um, in time to observe a little girl observing an invisible ghost clown. Mommy, look, it's a clown turns their head no clown is there okay clearly we got to follow this little girl and her family home oh my gosh which they do yeah they follow in their creepy van (laughs) can you imagine trying to trail someone with that uh with that belt with that belt no oh my god yeah that's uh they should have given us a couple minutes of that just Oh my god. Squeal! I mean, the belt is very conveniently quiet when they need it to be. (laughs) So, um, yeah, they follow the family to their home, and it's nighttime, and they're parked across the street just watching the house. Mm -hmm. And Sam is chastising Dean for telling Papa Jean about their urban legend um story about a killer clown that they're hunting which i don't know why this is a good way to get the inside scoop you know they're digging for information they want to know if the people close to the carnival know anything weird about anything but yeah maybe it's like too close to the truth for sam i don't know yeah i think that they just like to argue yeah that's true. <laughs> Let's just he be does like to pick a fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dean is saying, "Hey, I actually did find out some interesting information. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, the Cooper Carnival that is, you know, Cooper, Mister Cooper, the current mm-hmm. carnival in the current the day, dude. the namesake dude. Uh, it, it was that." The namesake dude, like you said, the uh, Mr. Cooper's father uh, that founded, I guess, Cooper Carnival, he previously was a manager, showrunner, whatever, for Banker Brothers Carnival. And the Banker Brothers Carnival is the one that was tied to the murders that happened in 1981 so now they have a common link this cooper man mm-hmm. uh who was uh who was around for both of the known instances of these deaths 
Yeah. So maybe Cooper is carrying around the spirit somehow. They're not sure, but it's a possible lead. Yeah, maybe Cooper brought something from the Banker Brothers Carnival to the current day Cooper Carnival. Yeah. So um, we cut to a little while later in the night and we see through the front window the little girl going to open the door and invite in the clown. I'm like, okay, how did Sam and Dean <laughs> not see this clown walk up to the door? But anyways. Yeah, um, I don't know. They see her. Maybe it's the back door. Because they see her in no. the front window. No. You're right. No. No. I, <laughs> well, the reason why I'm being so dismissive is because somehow Seventeen get into the house <laughs> so quickly. Because the next thing that we see is they are inside. They are able to circumvent... Um, they get between the girl and the clown getting to the parents' room. And then... Dean shoots the clown with rock salt, um, but it doesn't stay down and it escapes by smashing through a window. Oh and my gosh. The, like, this whole bit here, I'm like, you're taking liberties with my suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah. they so, so maybe they didn't see the clown walk up because they went to the house as soon as they realized that the child was awake and wandering. Um, I don't know why they would choose to do that, but <laughs> and not try to intercept the clown before it got into the house. But yeah, there's a weird energy that's going on with that one. It is. We had to have that moment of suspension where we actually see the uh, the kid bring the clown into the house, and then they're going upstairs. Do you want to meet my mom and dad? But Sam and Dean are there to intercept, and like you said, Dean. He just straight up, straight up shoots a bitch. I'm like, I didn't know it was rock salt. I'm like, no. you better fucking hope that it's something supernatural. Otherwise, you just shot a guy. I mean, granted, he probably deserves it, but... <laughs> I didn't even think of it on, like, the murder front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He was ready to murder a man. Yeah, he was. Up oh to this point, God. they have had no evidence that this is that this is anything supernatural. Right? And, like, even Dean's the one that's like, it's probably just a person. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. And then he's like, I hope it is a person. Bam! Like, oh I guess if there's anything Kill Bill Volume 2 taught me, it's that you can take a chest full of rock salt and you'll live. So, <laughs> And we all should be taking our lessons from Kill Bill Volume 2. Right? <laughs> Oh my God. But I see him come out with a shotgun. He fires shots on this clown. The clown only momentarily goes down and then he makes his escape. The parents, the child is screaming. The parents come in. The parents are screaming. And Sam and Dean skedaddle as fast as they humanly can. I'm glad that this, uh, these parents here are a little less prepared than... Uh, the Mister, the Mister with the baseball bat, a couple episodes right, ago, right? <laughs> who tried that, to get the that's drop? That's Rosie and Monica's husband. Yeah, yeah. No Not one, both of their husband, Monica's husband. <laughs> Someone, uh, no one comes out with a with a bat this time. But um, t- uh, Sam and Dean also make their escape, and n- everyone gets to live 
uh, everyone lives <laughs> this time. Yeah. <laughs> everyone escapes to live another day. So. And like, it's quite literally an escape that Sam and Dean are doing because they seem to drive off and then they're like, time to abandon this van. Not that I needed an excuse. Yes. Dean. We still, we next see them, uh, having parked the van in the tree line off of some highway dean is removing the license plate um and ditching the car sam asks dean do you really think they saw the license plate oh yeah definitely i bet i bet they did (laughs) i mean he's probably not wrong but he also doesn't care if he's right he's just like we're getting rid of this thing goodbye yeah well dean basically just says like that's not a chance i'm willing to take and also i hate this car so let's start walking i'm not i'm not taking that chance for this thing of all things (laughs) if it was the impala i'd keep driving but yeah i'm good to just keep walking and this is where dean says well okay so that's the spirit theory debunked because that rock salt definitely hit something solid and that's where yes. we learn it was rock salt and not actual buckshot. So, yeah, and it didn't dissipate the ghost. Anyways, the ghost literally flees through a window. So. <laughs> it does not go invisible. Yes, curious George face. But it breaks the window on the way out. So whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's solid. And um, Sam uh suggests that they call ellen maybe she has an idea of what this might be yeah and so the boys are in a walk and talk scenario where um there's no leads in john's journal like you said sam's suggesting they call ellen and he's like and on that note i'm wondering Mm. do you think that john and ellen were ever an item and dean just refutes that no and sam says well why haven't we ever heard of them before i don't know sam maybe they had a falling out or something and (laughs) sam says what we're all thinking wow john sure seems to have a lot of falling outs doesn't he right i'm like this guy i know thinking of that uh that empty ceremony or the Mm-hmm. The, the, the pyre vigil. burning right yes vigil which i'm sure that if they had wanted to they could have had a um bobby there but what kills me is bobby is probably like 15 minutes away and he's like no i'm sorry um the packers are playing tonight <laughs> i really gotta see this game maybe he just thought that he should give the boys a moment I mean, he didn't seem to care much for John, but also cared enough that, like, maybe I don't want John to be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this walk and talk, um, when Sam points out that John fell out with a lot of people, we see Dean once again clam up. Um, but this time Sam calls him on this. He says he knows how Dean felt about their dad and it's clear that Dean isn't dealing with things right now. Like he's not processing any of his emotions and Dean insists that he's okay and tells Sam to stop dumping his issues on him. And that really takes Sam aback. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as John comes up, Sam sees Dean clamming up and 
Sam is not one to let it lie, so he starts in. But when um when Dean accuses Sam of being the one that has the problem because Dean doesn't have a problem, whatever issues Sam is perceiving in Dean, he's saying, no, I'm not the one with the issues. You're the one that has the issues. And Sam's like, oh, what a what? I don't have issues. Record scratch moment for Sam. But Dean plows on and is saying, you know, it's really interesting, this sudden filial obedience you have to our dad. But it's too late to make things right with John. The last word that Sam had with him was a fight. And that is a little bit sharp. Like, the claws are really out as Dean is saying that. And Sam's taken aback. But Dean just continues to insist that Sam's the one not dealing yeah yeah Uh, you spent half your life fighting with the man and now you want to make it right it it, he says to sam sorry no that's not good enough it's too little too Mm -hmm. late you yeah he he's being cruel this is what i was alluding to at the beginning of the episode where like you said the claws are out he is tearing sam down to say look you're obvious i don't have issues you're obviously the one with the issues you think that you can make up for you know all the shit that you put dad through i guess is what he's saying in his life you want to make it up to him after his death that's bullshit it's too little too late and yeah you can't yeah you can't and sam is crushed yeah, because that's the nail on the head. Like, he doesn't want to see that in himself. He doesn't want to perceive that as true. But I think in his gut, he feels that blow just as surely as a fist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dean says, I'm dealing. Are you? And it's just a step too far. Like, they both look hurt by this argument. And Sam kind of needs to step away and he just places that call he said he was going to make with Ellen. Yeah. And as Sam walks away, you see that Dean knows that he overstepped big time. But he's not gonna... But he got what he wanted, right? He got Sam to back off. Right. There's no apology that's gonna be coming from him. Right. So, um, the next that we see is Sam ending his call with Ellen, and he reports back that they're hunting a Rakshasa, which is kind of this flesh-eating Hindu creature that needs to be invited into a house, and it lives in squalor, it sleeps on a bed of dead bugs, and feeds every 20 to 30 years. Yeah. This kind of... It's funny, it was kind of a lore-wise a combination of a vampire and a wendigo. Mm-hmm. A flesh-eating, needs-to-be-invited-into-a-house kind of deal. But everything that we're hearing here matches up pretty neatly with uh, the MO of the killings so far. Mm-hmm. So they 
are pointing to Cooper and his dad, that photo where they looked identical to each other. Um, so maybe that's our lead. Did Ellen say how you kill this thing? Yeah, you need a pure brass dagger. So, um, Dean <laughs> cracks a joke about Sam being like, we really need to make sure it's Cooper before we stab him. I yeah. mean, Dean, like we said, has already been quite liberal with the shotgun on a potentially just human target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's like, okay, fine. You're such a stickler. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Before we go sticking Cooper with anything, let's make sure that he is actually something supernatural. So Dean is going to go and try to hunt down a solid brass knife and... Sam is going to go get the proof that they need that Cooper is actually this creature that they um, are hypothesizing he is. And they will, uh, Sam's going to check Cooper's living quarters basically to see if they can fit that living and squalor trope to, to how Cooper's living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which so I will say I'm disappointed that they yes. didn't yes. do that yes. with, the actual reveal of because it's not cooper 100 percent. we didn't get to see the fucking bug bed i wanted to see the bug bed i wanted to see dean have a better like w- i wanted to see dean piece together the clues without the knife thrower literally pointing him at the chest that has the yes clown uh, outfit in it which is an insane implication by the way it's like he's like mm, i'm hungry time to go paint my face white and put on this red wig <laughs> and like go and temporarily appear visible to a child and then invisible and then i guess walk after them because like we <laughs> saw with Nora's family he's just showing up on the side of the road like it's insane it's batshit I know, I know. I'm like, so they do say with the has to be invited in thing, Sam says something along the lines of, or maybe it's Dean, uh, but, oh, you know what? That makes sense. Dress up like a clown, get the kids trust, get into the house. And I'm like, okay, but everything that you've shown us about this clown is literally him being the creepiest motherfucker yeah. On the planet, and apparently children have no freaking animal instinct in them. And, like, what about the Rakshasa? Like, there's nothing Hindu about what we're seeing in this episode. It's some white guy dressing up as a clown. Like, it's genuinely... Okay. Am I going to be cranky about Kripke again? Am I going for a record? But it's like... The trivia in this book... Okay, give me one second. Go, go, go. I mean, they cherry pick. They go... They they go on the forums and they go on stinking r slash no sleep and they find something that they think sounds cool and then run, take it and run with it. Okay, here it is. 
Eric Kripke first saw a Rakshasa in the Horror in the Heights episode of the TV series Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and the obscure monster stuck in his mind as, quote, a cool creature with a cool name. Oh my god. And Supernatural has a problem with stealing ideas from other cultures, from stealing from folklore, from stealing from mythology, and then just piecing it together how it wants and is not considerate of the social background, the cultural background, anything to do with these characters. So as far as... Again, I'm going crazy because Kripke was like, we want to do a scary clown episode since season one. I'm like, buddy, you're at the start of season two. You didn't need to do here. But anyways, we wanted to do a scary clown episode. And then we just found a monster that we could use to make it fit. And so that's telling you how much thought they put into this Rakshasa part of the story. Like, I can't even watch this episode and on face value be like no i think they were true to the mythology because i don't fucking know i feel like there's nothing truly given about this character that gives you the idea that it's actually grounded in reality or grounded in mythology no they take one little piece of lore or history and they like like you said, they just piece it together to fit what they want and need from a given episode. It's not... They they don't give it any more consideration beyond that. No. 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 Here it says... Ugh. It was always about what folklore monster would justify this clown set pieces. And I think the Rakshasa's as good as anything else. But I wish we could have spent more time hanging out with the homicidal clown. That's what Kripke said, as he feels the set clown pieces were the raison d'etre of the episode. Oh my god. You so just didn't even sucks. glean into it. You should have leaned into it more. You didn't. So you did you you failed on both parts. You know, you 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 didn't you didn't lean into the Rakshasha part of things and you didn't lean into the clown part of things. You just yeah. fell flat on both. You half-assed it. Yes. yes. Yeah. And you, it's too bad because we never see the, the Rakshasa bed. again. Yeah. You didn't even give us the insect bed. You didn't give us any of the... I don't know. You, you, didn't, you didn't bother to try to show us anything other than exactly what you told us. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not really my place to get into this too deeply, but it's just disappointing that we see the writers pull from mythology in such a half-assed way and to the detriment of the story that they're telling. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just get behind you. It, it fell flat. It it was weak. Yeah. You you could do a really interesting story involving mythology that is not, you know, these two white dudes' wheelhouse, but Supernatural is not the show that has proven that it can do this. It has shown that it tries, but ultimately it's not a diverse group of writers covering these subjects, 
And it's not experts. It's people pulling from mythology to say what is going to be convenient for the story I want to tell. Yep. Yep. So, we cut to the carnival. (laughs) Yes. Sam is going after Cooper. Uh, Well, actually, he's just going to spy on Cooper. And uh, Dean is going for the knife. And then once they have the proof that Cooper is the actual... Uh, culprit here then they'll go after Cooper together but yeah but Sam goes to Cooper's trailer he is about to cut open Cooper's uh, mattress in his living quarters and Mm -hmm. Cooper uh, finds him out what the hell do you think you're doing and he has a gun trained on Sam yeah yeah Meanwhile, Dean and Papa John are in his quarters, and for some reason, the knife thrower directs Dean to go look in the trunk, and Dean does, and he sees the clown costume. And I'm like, this all sucks. I know. Okay, so Dean goes to the knife thrower because he thinks that the knife thrower might have a brass knife. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, we don't even get to see Dean figure it out. It's just the, the, the clown, the knife thrower is just like, oh, look, here's my clown costume. What you gonna do about it? Yeah. And he takes off his shades and his eyes change to like a cat's eye and his face gets horribly CGI contorted Mm -hmm. before he turns invisible and starts throwing knives at Dean. I'm like, okay. Just for fun, I guess? Toying with his food? Just for fun. Yeah. Because, I mean, he could kill Dean right here, but he doesn't. Yeah, and so we've set up that it's not going to be a close quarter fight either. It's going to be this long distance, knives coming at them from random. Yeah. Uh, The one thing that I did like was that when we reveal that it's the knife thrower, um, the, the knife thrower actor, you know, is the person that we've seen in the clown makeup in the, in the costume. It's the Mm -hmm. same person, but, uh, he, that's the hidden in plain sight aspect of this, you know, when he's just the blind man knife thrower we're not making the connection. We're not looking at him being like, wait, that's the clown. That's the, that's the guy. That's your guy right there, right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's wild that it's not like a clown spirit, that it's a person that is voluntarily <laughs> dressing up as a like disgusting <laughs> clown to go and be like, hi kids, I'm your friends. I'm like, this is insane. It could have been a spirit. It should have been a spirit. It would have been interesting if it was a spirit. Or just a deranged person. Or just a deranged person. Yeah. Get in the window. Yes. There you go. But here we are. We see Dean escape these quarters. Um, He manages to meet up with Sam and um, breaks the news that, okay, if it's not Cooper, it's Papagian, Papa John. And Sam has got an idea of where they can find a brass blade substitute. Yes, they run for the fun house and they go in together, but they are separated by... Somehow. 
I a shifting door, a wall, a something closes in, um, and they get briefly separated. Sam goes to what we saw earlier was an organ uh mm-hmm. that was blowing steam and playing some uh, ominous music or at least projecting some ominous organ music and yeah. sam is going to pry off one of the organ bellows to the organ pipes to use as a brass blade i'm like yes. oh cool that looks that looks a little pointy that'll do that'll do I mean, anything's a knife with enough force behind it. <laughs> yeah. It's solid brass. That's all you need. Yeah. And right as Sam is uh, successful in getting this, this organ pipe off the instrument, uh, Dean comes back through the labyrinth and gets into the same room as Sam, but he is just as quickly pinned to the wall with those flying knives coming from an invisible source. Yeah, these two knives come in quick succession and pin his right arm to the wall, um, but he still has enough dexterity that he can reach up and pull open a water valve. Um, And it seems to feed into the pipe organ because there's this resulting steam cloud that manages to make the Rakshasa's outline visible. Yes, whatever this is, I mean, he can go invisible, but it's still a solid meat person. So uh, they can see his form in the steam and... Sam lunges for the shadow and lands a hit. Stabs the Rakshasha through the something. And yeah. there is a screech. And the Rakshasha's close. I guess the body disintegrates. The Rakshasha's close with the bloodied organ pipe. Drop to the ground. And the creature is defeated. Yes. And Dean pulls himself free and he turns off that valve. And as he's staring at that pile of clothes and bloody pipe, he just says, I hate fun houses. <laughs> we didn't even see Sam come face to face with the clown. Right? Sam is the one that should have got cornered with the horrifying CGI clown face. Oh, my God. I just don't yeah. know why. Again, we weren't taking advantage of the situation that we were in. Sam is the one that should have gotten chased by the creepy clown laughter. There's so many woulda, coulda, shouldas with this episode. Mm, missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we return to the roadhouse and Ellen is handing Sam and Dean a beer apiece at the bar and complimenting them on a job well done. Basically saying John would be proud. Yeah. Joe stops by and she stares at Sam until he gets the point and gives her and Dean some space. And she asks <laughs> if, if if she'll see Dean again. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but just thinking of Sam's face. It, it, Joe <laughs> sidles up to the bar and is just staring Sam down. Sam's like, 
what did did you want something oh no. oh 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 no okay wait no i'm gonna just <laughs> that's right i'm gonna I go need... talk to your mother <laughs> yeah exactly i Link. oh right i forgot that i need to go over here and do the thing so oh, file some reports over at the pool table yeah yeah i'm gonna do that mm-hmm. and yeah we're again trying to set them up as love interests I'm not buying it, but Joe, are, are you going to come back? Am I going to see you again? And Dean is saying normally he'd be all over her, but these days, I don't know. And she repeats his words. Wrong place, wrong time. Oh my god. I'm like, Dean, it's been a week. Your dad died. I know. One. Your dick didn't die with him. Like, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, your your dad died one calendar week ago. This doesn't have to be a goodbye. Well, one, this doesn't have to be some sort of like dramatic goodbye. You don't right? know this woman. You um, literally just met her. And and you absolutely could just meet again. I don't know. Whatever. I thought. I know. You, I, this is the Hunter Hub. Hello. <laughs> you will be back. <laughs> but two, he's like normally I'd be flirting with you so hard to make your head spin, but... It would be so, so sexy between us right now, but for some reason it's not. For for some reason, I just don't know. I just don't think that today's gonna be the day. I'm like, your dad died a week ago. My boy. My child. (laughs) My sweet summer child. Like, I know that this is a new situation for you, but like... Give what? yourself some time to grieve. Well, I guess it's what he's doing. Your libido will come back online. Oh my god! Look, so whatever. N- not today. Wrong place. Wrong time. Joe says that she understands, and mm-hmm. um, that's that on that. That's that on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's there if you need her, Dean. You just go do what you do. Yeah. So it's time for Ash to make his reappearance, and he comes out from the back, open-shirted. It's quite (laughs) delightful, and he's asking where the hell Sam and Dean have been. He's been waiting for them. (laughs) He hauls out that atrocious open-wired laptop and says that the demon is nowhere around that he can find, but if it raises its head up, he'll be on it like divine on dog dookie, which I was just like, oh my god, he watches John Waters. Is that what that was? I didn't know what that was (laughs) i i would say look it up you're in for a treat but it's also it feels like one of those things you really have to decide to look for yourself oh my god john waters huh john waters divine and yeah dog shit okay all right yeah yeah um, if any signs or omens appear anywhere in the world, Ash's system will give them an all alarms ringing. So Dean is in awe with this program. <laughs> he tries reaching for the laptop, but under Ash's watchful glare, he knows wiser than to dare touch it. Oh my god. Fucking Ash. You just have to watch it. You just have to see it because it's so perfect. <laughs> Dean reaches for the laptop. Hey, can I... And then just the way that Ash postures has him backing off, like, 
what's up man what can, what can i do for you <laughs> what you, you can see like a switch flipping in ash's brain where he's like turning into a killing machine he's like just cross like chow zone just cross it i will bite your finger off oh my god his little what's up man what <laughs> oh my god okay it was great i love him yeah like you said so much flavor so much character and it's not overblown it's over the top but it's not overblown you know it's suited to the character yes yeah. yes yeah so and sam it's pretty sam good. the mystified boy is just like where did you learn all this and ash says mit and again sam is looking baffled and impressed and <laughs> i love how ash is just like it's a school in boston <laughs> like, yeah yeah mit sam says mit <laughs> Yeah, it's a school in Boston. It's not often that Sam gets talked down to by, like, <laughs> another person on his level. But here it's happening. Like, Ash doesn't even register Sam on, like, the radar. It's great. Oh, he's got nothing but eyes for Dean, though. The inf- oh, that's true. <laughs> the, as soon the- as Dean gets up, he grabs Dean's beer and starts drinking it. I know. The rituals, they're intricate. They're so intricate. Dean confirms Ash will call them if the alarm system goes off, and otherwise they get ready to go. Ellen invites them to stay the night, but Dean turns her down, saying that there's something he's gotta finish. Yep. And back at Bobby's yard. uh, Back at the Impala. Yep, back at the Impala. There's something he's gotta finish. He's, you know... It's it's still building up baby. Building up baby from the ground up. The the twisted ruined frame of the car that wasn't even worth a tow. Uh mm-hmm. Sam last episode or yeah, Sam last episode said that Dean would never just leave her behind and Dean would be pissed to to and see. As this. long as there's one part mm-hmm. available. They'll still make it work. Mm-hmm. And that's what Dean's been doing. He, you know, Sam accused him at the very beginning of the episode of just burying his head in the sand, burying himself under the car and doing nothing but working on the car all day, not dealing with dad's death. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Now we're back with the Impala. Sam and Dean seem to be working on it together, or at least Sam is out keeping Dean company. And um, Sam has a confession to make here, too. Yes. Yeah. So he confirms with Dean that he's sorry that he tried to pick a fight the last time he was with John and that he spent most of his life angry at him. And we see that he's afraid that John might have died thinking that Sam hated him. And he does, you know, this little chin wobble as he admits that he's doing too little too late. Yeah. Yeah. He feels guilty. Not okay at all. But neither is Dean. And with that, Sam lets Dean get back to the Impala. Well, yeah, Sam... I liked this. I liked this, what Sam is saying here, because all through the episode, we've had Sam pushing on Dean 
to try and get Dean to react to, 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 to the, the whole situation or get Dean to deal with it. And mm-hmm. Dean, for all that he is not dealing with it, he was actually kind of right about Sam too. You know, Sam is, is showing grief over John's death, but he's not acknowledging, um, he's not really acknowledging his feelings about John and the relationship and everything. He is almost, you know, trying not to think about Sam's own guilt by pressing Dean to express his, his feelings instead of, instead of processing his own, which is exactly what Dean accuses him of. And here Sam is admitting that Dean kind of had a point. Yeah. Dean was on the ball with what he pointed out that Sam is, like trying to plaster over the fist-shaped impressions in a wall before like mudding it in and what mm. have you. Like he's trying to skip steps and honor his father's legacy and all these things without processing his complicated feelings. Yeah. And Sam is just trying to encourage Dean to see things in that same way, that Dean is doing his own plaster job in his own fashion. Because I I do think that Dean burying himself in working on the Impala is a bit of a therapeutic practice. Like, my therapist would say that if you're anxious, busy your mind, but if you're depressed, busy your body. And so this is a project, this is something that he can work through like a therapy, but at the same time, it's a substitute for his dad, like it's a substitute for actual grieving. And so when Sam steps away here, we can see that Dean finally loses the leash on his frustration and he takes a tire iron and just starts wailing on the Impala. Yeah, if this was Sam's moment to be honest about his complicated feelings um, and show what's lying behind the, the walls that Sam was putting up, we get the same here for Dean and with Dean. And... this is a glimpse into his feelings yeah yeah and it is a rough scene for him because it's this angry burst of violence on something that he's trying to carefully repair he's putting a lot of effort into building the impala from scratch and yet in this moment he seems just more than willing to wail on it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, I don't know. One of the things that we know is one of the few things that he really cares about in the world. And it's, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't even care about that in this moment because he's so overcome. Yeah. Like I'm thinking how a couple episodes ago you were talking about, you know, when did the Impala become a symbol of family? And like, when did Dean assign that symbolic meaning to it? And, you know, in this moment, there is a substitute for John 
and like last episode we were given the impala as a metaphor for dean so it's you can look at it as dean you know rallying against his father and his father's final words to him and his father being gone from him after being such a looming present in his life but it's also dean you know rallying against himself and just beating himself up for it if that's the symbol that you're going for yes i like that because you're giving it um you're looking ahead a little bit where we know that dean suspects that john gave his life for for dean yeah we know that john put something horrible onto dean um yeah in his last moments and that all that together and and we know that this is nothing that he has yet shared with sam um and when i say we know i mean we don't know here in this episode so if we keep the narrow view on just Mm -hmm. this episode then we see dean lashing out but we but but do we know do we really know enough to put a a more meaning onto it than just him lashing out but with what we what we know as this being a rewatch and what comes comes out later on in the season you're absolutely right that this is not just dean lashing out but it's dean lashing out at john and the car as a metaphor for as a replacement for John or a stand-in for John and as Dean lashing out and angry at himself because we had Sam saying, I feel guilty as hell. I don't know if my dad went to, if my dad died thinking that I hate him. Sam's carrying that guilt, but Dean is carrying the guilt of knowing or at least being fairly confident that John willingly gave his life for Dean's own. And that's a guilt that Dean cannot even begin to process. No. I mean, we don't have a full picture of the depths to which Dean has no self-worth. But we will see over the seasons how Dean just dismisses or belittles himself in the bigger picture that, you know, if anyone in his family was just the soldier taking orders, it's him. And so it's not something that he was prepared for or that he can really accept that his father was willing to trade his life for Dean's. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a tough time for the boy. Well, I mean, we have gone through this whole... It's also very satisfying, this last moment here, because we have gone through the whole episode seeing Dean just tight, 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 holding it in. And then, mm-hmm. and then all of that pressure, bam, right in this moment. And it is pretty satisfying. Yes. Or in a whole, in a, in narratively to, to see this happen because, you know, Sam keeps saying, you're not okay. You're not okay. You're not okay. We know he's not. And yeah. then everything just blasting out right here. Yeah. The it's, tension just snaps. Yeah. It's, 
it's shocking and it's good and or it's good it's, it's writing it's just a good scene it's satisfying too to see to see a character lose themselves in this way and like harm something oh, yeah. loved yeah like i know that doesn't sound pretty but it really speaks to like this level of sacrifice or this level of the balance between his love for this car and the pain that he's feeling that the pain has overwhelmed that love and yeah i don't know there's something really evocative about that that yeah it's really compelling like you said it's not pretty but it's powerful yes and yeah. if you can get one of these moments that's just real raw powerful emotion that you make the audience feel Mm -hmm. then you did a good job yeah you've really helped the audience connect with the character and feel the pain that they're feeling because like you look at baby getting beat up and you're like oh no and then you look at dean and why he's doing it and you're like oh no that that oh no has been connected like the dots are connected oh no oh no yeah it's really good. It was really good. Yeah. And Dean drops the tire iron and he just looks despondent. Like you see the hollow place in him where, you know, that that spark, that life force used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. A glimpse behind the mask. Yes. Yeah. Heavy, heavy shit, good shit. Heavy shit, good shit. Yes. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. Yes. Cut to black. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, I mean, wow. Really? the the it, It's funny. It's funny that we have the whole clown monster of the week in here when we, I feel like we very easily could have just lended the whole episode towards having these scenes and these moments with, um... Sam and Dean and Bobby mm-hmm. and then establishing the new canon of Ellen and Ash and um Joe in the roadhouse like if if we had not gone on the clown hunt and if we had just given more time to actually experiencing the roadhouse environment and having them stay and see the the bar in in business hours and given more time to i don't know have have more character moments or at mm-hmm. least lend more to the character moments like i wanted to see more of of uh dean interacting with joe or dean interacting with ash and sam interacting with ellen or even sam interacting with joe I wanted to see more. I wanted to see Bobby in this episode. Yeah. I wanted to know where he's at here. I I totally agree. And as we're sitting here talking, I'm thinking about, you know, why didn't they do that? And I, you know, last episode was really a character heavy story. You mm-hmm. know, there, there was the hint at a hunt. There was not a hunt. Um, and then I think for them to have that as a season premiere is 
an effective, bold move. Um, but maybe they were scared to do that two episodes in a row. Maybe they yeah. didn't want to signal to the audience that there was a format change. They wanted to get right away back to it's Monster of the Week and it's the story about the brothers. And don't worry, we're not bringing an ensemble cast on. We know how much you hate those. Like, I feel like the show could have gone into some really cool directions by leaning into the characters and uh-huh. just experiencing their trauma. But I think maybe they were scared to do that and what it would signal to the audience for the future. That is a very, very, very good point. At the end of the day, this is a genre show. And, you know, if you're kicking off a brand new season and, and only your second season at that, then you, yeah, what you said about format change, I could totally see that, you know, this isn't One Tree Hill. This is Supernatural. Yeah. And like I just mentioned this season, but really last season, the final two episodes also weren't really hunt stories. They were about finding um, the demon, about where their dad went missing Mm -hmm. and, you know, torturing Meg for information. There wasn't a hunt for those episodes. So that means that this would be the fourth episode in a row without a hunt and that that could be just too much to ask of them in their second season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that you're right. I think that that is a good um way of looking at it and that they they put the hunt in this episode for a reason. Uh, just retrospectively, it's, it, it feels, it feels like the, the, the two, the A plot and the B plot don't match. They don't yeah. fit together. They don't. And the B plot is on shaky grounds at best. Cause as we've already hashed, it's trying to merge two ideas that are unrelated and it's not 100% effective at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then take the B plot and try and do that with the A plot. And then you get into even more kind of strange ground. Yeah. But I liked the A plot that we did get. I just wanted more of it. But yeah, I agree. Like this, the show, goddammit, is so good at coming up with compelling characters and giving them nothing to do. I, I I mean that's kind of a good that's that's not the worst place to be in right like it, I well, liked I liked what I got well no I'm I'm saying like for this episode I liked what I yes. got I just wanted more I could have not liked any of it so <laughs> yeah that's fair like I guess where my little ooh be careful is is you'll get to an episode with Sarah Gamble and Rael Tucker and then those characters will be dead because they're like we're not doing anything with them chop 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 oh my god it's like oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. I got I caught some feels about Ash uh and Ellen and Joe mm-hmm. because I I wish you know, I always wish that we got more of them. I wish it wasn't yeah. wasted potential, but Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry Remy, but you're watching the show of wasted potential, so. Yeah. This is their first episode. I thought it was a good introduction, so. Yeah. Yeah. It was really neat. I really like seeing the roadhouse. This will be my takeaway. Let's I, get, let, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. like, are we in takeaways now? I feel like we're in takeaways. <laughs> we're, we're doing takeaways, but we're doing it in a very decontextualized manner. <laughs> <laughs> what is What is your final takeaway? 
Oh, I don't know. Like you say, like I just enjoy seeing Ellen and mm-hmm. Ash and Joe getting introduced to the story. And I like how we've kind of reversed this. That was a word. <laughs> how we've kind of flipped the script on the brothers and we're seeing their roles reverse and that, you know, Dean's clammed up and Sam's trying to pry him open and there's there's still wounds that are very fresh and I don't know. All of that part of the story was really neat to me. I like you said, I could have spent the whole episode there, but yeah. we did not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I, again, got bit with the nostalgia bug seeing Ellen, Joe, Ash. It's been so long since I've watched these episodes and these characters are so well-worn, well-beloved that, Mm -hmm. uh, it was really fun as a Supernatural fan to see their introductory episode. I think that my true final takeaway if I was going to pick one was would be it was interesting to see uh Dean and Joe's that lack of dynamic or (laughs) spark and fizzle (laughs) between them right right um and then uh and then the completely unintentional spark and the catch of the flame and it's not necessarily sexual i'm not talking shipping but uh it, it dean and ash they they had more interest chemistry, and yeah. chemistry as as characters than um than joe and dean did in this episode so it was just really interesting to see like hey look a room a romantic interest look at all this chemistry this mm-hmm. have all the all the waving look over here and then you have this dude with a mullet and all it takes is <laughs> dean like giving him a one two then hey nice hair and that's more than we ever got from joe and dean yeah, like I think Joe and Dean could have had more of a fun dynamic if it was left open-ended. If it didn't feel like that was the element that they were trying to put there. Yes. Because the network requested it or whatever. Um, it would have been more fun to just have them evolve yeah. as their own separate characters and then see where that goes rather than... You're exactly right. Because yeah. we just we were given we were given Joe and it's like look you like this you like this boy and you like this girl or you yeah. th- at least think that they're cute yeah you're going to wonder will they won't they and I'm sitting there going they won't and no <laughs> no it's a question it's curiosity I'm like no it's a flat rejection like no and it's not even it's not even a for me it's not even a will they won't they because it's just they put this girl in front of Dean and they're like look love interest and like well you already labeled her so it's already uninteresting you told me you sat here and you told me what she was like yeah there's no question in that yeah and i mean to the point of joe kind of being a clone like just even having her mention zeppelin i'm like she is younger than dean and dean has old tastes so (laughs) it is a very curious to see someone her age being like yeah zeppelin 4 is how they would seduce me it's like no she's a dean clone like you did that you did that right right you did that and 
I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Like I said, put Jensen in a wig and tell her to act like Joe and it's just Dean 2.0. <laughs> oh my God. That's too funny. And is that, is that chemistry or is it just lazy? Look, you're perfect woman. She's right here in front of you. Yeah. I mean, that probably is a huge contributing factor. So, like you said, we didn't, we, we, in this episode, in just this episode, we don't get to see Joe as her own character. She's just, um. Something for Dean to react to. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, and, but then all the stuff that we're talking about that we didn't get, but wanted to get from Joe, we did get in Ash. So that's where that came from. Again, shipping or not, and you could go either way, but shipping or not, we got that actual genuine spark of, um, like, this is a character. Yeah, chemistry. This is a character who is clicking with another character. Yeah. And they have a and fun dynamic. Yeah. They're letting Ash be a character first. Yeah. Which is an effective way to create a sounding board for other characters to respond to. Exactly. And and, and for Joe and Dean, it just really felt written in. Yeah. Yeah. They're being told how to react to each other rather than reacting freely. Yes. Yes. And all that was just, I don't know, fun to think about, fun to say. It made me think about it. And I'm... I am in no way like a film or a writing expert, but I consume media mm-hmm. as as like amateurly, critically, uncritically as you can be. Uh, but just seeing the contrast between those two character relationships, I was like, oh look, this is like something that I could talk about. And yeah. And that's I'm with you. Like, yeah, you don't have to be an expert to recognize patterns and recognize what works and what doesn't work. Like the point of TV is that anyone can tune in and enjoy what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. And we're, for better or worse, attuned to these characters and can sense when something is just not working. And it's fun to puzzle out why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was season two, episode two. Everybody loves a clown, except me and a billion and some other people. And Remy. And Remy. Next week, we will talk about season two, episode three, Bloodlust. Bringing in my boy Sterling K. Brown. (laughs) He's so handsome. He's so talented. I was gobsmacked when I was watching and found out he was in this show. I have seen him... I feel like I saw him in Supernatural first, but I've since seen him in so many other things that uh, he's frankly, like, better in <laughs> than than what he yes. was doing in Supernatural. I'm like, honey, how did you get this job and why? Why did you take it? You're better than this. He... <laughs> took the check and then he took the fuck off i'm like i can't fault you for that you've got so much talent and i hate that your character was written in this way yeah anyways anyways uh, yeah next week next week we meet gordon in bloodlust episode three season two be there Mm -hmm. and we'll talk more about sterling kane brown yes and while you're waiting kindly go on to your 
podcasting platform, however you're getting our episodes, and give us a five-star review. That would be amazing. It helps us get more listeners, and it doesn't take too much time from your day, I hope. So that's all I got to say for that. We love seeing your reviews, your comments. We love it when you interact with us on social, and we love that you're listening. So we're so happy to see you here, and we hope that you have enjoyed our <laughs> talk today. Shut me up, B. Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down. Remy, Remy, we got to go. I have to go interrogate a MILF. <laughs> All right. All right, B. You you have a good one then. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>